0: of counselors, there is safety. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. Today we're starting a new message series. And, um, and before we get into it, I kind of just want to um, just crack the door open on the topic of your expectations, things that, that you expect to have happen. And um, uh, I'll, I'll maybe start by telling you a little story about a, a teacher and some students her, her students loved her, and they were really loyal to her, and um, for some reason they decided to bring her presents, and it kind of started this little thing, and uh, each day a child would bring a present, and they would try to top what the kid, kid before had done it, and this, this, uh, this little girl brought in uh, this box that was all wrapped up, looked beautiful, and, and says to the teacher in front of all of her friends, you know, guess what it is, you'll never guess, and the teacher said, well, I bet that's a box full of flowers, and the little girl said, well, yes, how did you know? Well, because I know your mother runs a flower store, and I just figured, put two and two together, but thank you, the flowers are beautiful. The next day, um, a little boy brought in another box, and uh, guess what it is? And, and she, she says, well, I bet it's a box of chocolates. And well, how did you know that? Well, because, you know, your parents own a candy store, and I just put two and two together. And the, the next day, um box, the little girl brings in a box, and, and um, the teacher knows that the parents happen to own a wine store, and uh, notice that there's a little bit of liquid coming out of the corner of the box, so she, um, went, guess what my present is, and, you know, she put her finger on it and tasted it, she says, well, I bet it's a bottle of champagne, and no, guess again, and, you know, well, it's um, a bottle of white wine, no, no, it's a puppy, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you were expecting something different. Now you know my level of maturity, you'll know what to expect from me in the future. That's my mother's joke. She said, please tell this joke in church. <laughs> right, Mom? No. Okay, maybe not. I, I hope that whatever expectations you have about t- today or any time you're in church or any time you come and you, 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 you involve yourself You've invested the morning. You've come for worship. Don't come to sing songs. Don't come to listen to a teaching. Come expecting that the Holy Spirit has something supernatural planned for you that wasn't on the service order. Um, maybe, um, maybe it'll be completely in alignment with what's, what's coming from the platform up here, or maybe it'll be something completely different. I, I, I have this thing. you know people will come to me sometimes, and they'll, they'll be all excited about the message. know oh, that really ministered to me, and they'll tell me about these things I said in the message that I never said. I wasn't even on that topic. <laughs> really, seriously. It happens very frequently. And what I know is happening there is that while they're open and available to what the Word is saying or during the worship, the Holy Spirit's in there personally speaking to a son and a daughter that he loves. So hope your expectations are, 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 are available. Your expe- expectation is to be available to what the Spirit might speak to you. Um, and I believe um, the Spirit will be and is speaking to people. Um, I, I, this is a new message series, um, and uh, I, I want to start by saying that I think that an awful lot of people, probably very many of you, came in today and you walk through life. We walk through life carrying wounds with us. You know, maybe in some cases they're deep wounds, something you've carried for months or or years. And when you start to think about the person responsible, the person that you believe hurt you, it can be as fresh to you as if it had just happened this morning. Uh, it can, you know, the pain is still there. And all of a sudden you find yourself filled up with resentment again. And then someone like me, a pastor, will come along and say to you, well, you know, you need to forgive them. And true, it's really easy, but you're just not there. You're just honestly not there. You know you should be, but you're just just not there. I, I'll tell you a personal story from me. This, is, this dates back to decades ago, well over 30 years ago in my life. Where a guy did something to me that was very, 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 very wrong, and I didn't deserve it, and it hurt me down, down, down deep. And I thought about telling you. I, mean, I just don't think that telling you what it was that happened is relevant, so I'm just going to ask you not to go there. I'm just going to say this hurt. It drilled down, and it just, it just got to the quick. It hurt, and um, it was, it was. I would say it was on a list. Um, that I might have had in my heart 30 or 40 years ago, that, well, if this happens to me, I'm just not going to forgive that. Whoa. Um, and um, I was, when this happened to me, I, I had some stuff going on in my heart. That I'm not very proud about it. I think I, I had some, some hate going on in me. I mean, I, I wanted this guy to suffer and die, <laughs> I really did. I know you're thinking, did our pastor just say what I thought? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was. I wasn't a pastor then. And it was the way I really felt. And I was a Jesus follower at that point. I, I was growing in my understanding about God and, and, and his ways. And, and I was forgiven. So, yeah, it was hypocritical and it was really bad. But it's, you know, I, I still had this hate thing going on in me. I really did. And one evening, Um, I can still see the picture in my mind of these events, these moments. Um, Sitting in my living room, a a very godly man who I would count as a very close friend said to me, well, Terry, what are you going to do? And it's a great question because we all do something in those moments. We, We choose to do something good. We choose to do something bad. And not choosing to do something is also a choice, too. He says, what are you going to do? And I knew what he was really asking. And, and, and this guy knew me and knew the circumstances, and he was looking both into the pain that was in my soul, that was deep, and the unforgiveness that was circulating there, too. What are you going to do, Terry? And in that moment, the Holy Spirit pushed to the surface of my, my, my intellect Scriptures, which is often, often, it's often how the Holy Spirit works with me, and this is why it's good for you to spend time occasionally reading your Bible and doing devotions, the Word of God will get lodged in your soul. You don't have to memorize the whole book, but when you just crack the book open and spend 10 minutes on it in the morning before anything else is going on or during your lunch break or something, you read through it and you're done with it. You don't realize that you've planted the Word of God down in your soul, and it gets in there and it sticks. And... A year later or a minute later or sometime later, the Holy Spirit will just take that one and stick it up there, and all of a sudden it's up here instead of background somewhere. That's what happened to me in that moment. What are you going to do, Terry? (laughs) And the words of Jesus literally came out of my mouth. I, 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 I said to him, and this is Matthew 6, verses 14, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. It was as if Jesus himself decided to say it to me, through me, and I had to own those words because I spoke them. And it was an amazing, miraculous, pain-filled, messy moment for me. And I, I... I had this, you know, in those moments, I'm telling you, there was a battle going on in my heart. It was panic because there was nothing in me that wanted to ever forgive this guy for what he did. In my mind, it was unforgivable. It was just, you know, how can you forgive someone who does something that seems absolutely unforgivable? And that's uh, where we want to start today with our new series. And I believe that the things that the Spirit's going to speak to us over the next few weeks um, has the potential to make a difference in your heart and and a difference in your life. Um, And and so we're going to learn uh, over the next few weeks to learn through the hard things, just like Jesus does. And... um, We're going to see some different pictures of the Son of God and and see some examples here. Because we're not just called to receive the love of Christ. We're called to actually show the love of Christ to, to, to each other. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about ways to love people when it isn't always easy. And today I want to take a look at the theme that Jesus forgives sinners. Jesus forgives sinners. And we're going to start in Luke 23, and, and we're going to see in this passage when we get there one of the most amazing displays of forgiveness that you can imagine, you know, and it happens while Jesus is, is on the cross. Now, so to get the context here, Jesus is completely innocent. He has never, ever sinned, and he's now hanging on a cross with two bad criminals who deserve to be there. And uh, this is from Luke, in chapter twenty three. He says two other men, both criminals, were also let out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Now, I I think most people get their mental picture of that moment of Jesus on the cross from something they've either seen on TV or in the movies. You know, you, you think, okay, Jesus is, is on a cross and it's way up there and maybe his feet are up here somewhere and you, you've seen the pictures and it, it's a great image, Um, um But it may not be exactly accurate. I'm going to take a minute or two. This don't mean to be overly graphic, but I want you to understand where he was when he chose to forgive. He, you know, the cross. The the cross as a form of execution was actually a form of torture, and uh, it was meant to, to 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 bring extreme humiliation too. It wasn't just physically hard. I mean, it was very very expensive to to execute someone by. Crucifixion because of the requirements to have guards present, and so forth, and as they would follow it that way, there would be you know it was very expensive to do. It. So so the process of, of crucifying someone was saved for the very worst of the worst, and it was basically when the government wanted to make a statement. Don't do this because this don't do this because this is what will happen to you. This, the government wanted to make a statement, and they wanted to torture somebody, so it's bad deal. In fact, our word excruciating. Like as it was excruciating pain, um, comes from a couple of Latin words that combine together: tormented and cross. Excruciating comes from those two words put together in Latin, and um, so it was this. You know, crucifixion caused excruciating pain, and you know they would drive sticks or or spikes through hands, and I mean there was uh, through the wrists, and it was just not good. And and um, rather than being way up high, typically. Um, you know, a cross wasn't actually carried up the street like a, like a cross, like we would think. There would typically be a big piece of timber that would actually be in the ground and it would stay there. And the the person being crucified would carry the cross piece, great big like the top of a T. They would be carrying that piece, big and heavy anyway. And um, it was. It was machined, or not machined, but it was it was formed by tools so that it would fit onto the top of the, the other piece. And uh, um, typically the, the, the those who were executing would lay the person down and they would affix their hands to the cross piece, usually by stakes through, them, through the wrist or someplace, um, where they couldn't bleed to death, but they could still feel it. And then actually hung in place, and then their weight would go upon those wounds, and uh, then they would turn the feet sideways, and you know the rest of the story. Many crosses actually had a place partway up where they could take some, com- some, some comfort by sitting, but that wasn't comfortable. And um, what was difficult would be to breathe, because they would have to push up with their feet to take the weight off of their diaphragm so they could breathe, and their feet would have wounds. It was terrible, painful, but it wasn't a fast death. So they could make it go fast or long. It was just—it was terrible. And the person who was being crucified might be right on the roadside. And um, you know, if the feet were just fit, you, you would literally be almost eye to eye with a person. So as people would walk by uh, someone being crucified, they would curse at them, spit in their face. They're eye to eye with this person. Terrible. And that's what happened exactly to Jesus. You know, he's, he's on the cross and, and people are spitting on him and they're mocking him. And they're saying, you know, hey, if you're the king, save yourself. Come on, show it. Get yourself down from there. And, and that moment when creation was doing its absolute worst to the creator to the loving God who was giving his best because of love to wipe out the cost of my sins and yours. Um, They're mocking him. And here's, in those moments, he's in pain. He's being abused and tortured. Here's what he says, verse 34 of Luke 23. Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing here. They just don't get it. God, but forgive them. Don't make them pay for this. He was asking for forgiveness for people who had sinned against him for something that seemed totally and completely unforgivable. And if you live on this earth, which I think applies <laughs> pretty much to all of us in this room, you know, you're going you're to get hurt by people. You will be hurt by someone. You know, and, and many of you at this exact moment, you're carrying a fairly significant wound. And... You know, forgive me for taking you to a place of tenderness. Not the place I'm not wanting you to be hurt by these words, but I mean, there, there are all kinds of wounds that we carry. Some of you, you know, somebody abused you or took advantage of you or they lied to you or they cheated you or somebody hurt someone that you love, somebody that you care about deeply or, and um, took advantage of that person or, or they hurt your child or your friend. Or somebody who was a Christian, wasn't very Christian-like in the way they treated you and wounded you deeply. Or some church that you were a part of did something that just broke your heart and messed things up. Somebody gossiped about you or did something that just devastated you. Or a boss decided to, didn't like you and it cost you a future or a job or you just were treated unfairly. Some of you were hurt by somebody who's not even alive. They're no longer alive today. And, and yet you're still carrying this weight or maybe even bitterness about somebody and they're not even alive anymore. And for some of you, maybe it was a mother or a father who, you know, they weren't there for you or they touched you and hurt you in some inappropriate way or they abandoned you. And these are serious, painful things truth for many people and maybe for you it was something happened to you and and you have been angry at God ever since God how did you let this happen I just I just can't figure it out in my mind and for some of you it's you you did something and you look at that and to you it's terrible and you just think I, I'm nothing I'm never worth anything and I'm never going to forgive myself And your forgiveness is towards your unforgiveness is towards yourself. How so? How do we forgive, like Jesus? And you know, the topic of forgiveness is really at the cross hairs. It's the center. It's the heart of the gospel. Jesus came to forgive sinners, and and, you know, and as 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 we are forgiven by Him, we're supposed to forgive one another. In fact, for people in the world who are skeptical about God and skeptical about Christianity. Jesus tells us that the way they will know that we are his disciples is because we have love for one another in John chapter 13. Now I want to give you two today, two very simple and uh, quick thoughts. We're actually halfway through the message. Praise God for fast messages, right? Especially when they hurt. Get it on, Terry. Let's get over this. Two simple thoughts that maybe are easy to talk about, but not so easy to do, um, about um, um, how do we forgive like Jesus. Number one, Jesus actually teaches us to pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. That's what he was doing when he was on the cross. That's what Jesus taught us to do. In Luke 6, 28, Jesus says this, bless those who curse you. What? Okay, that's, that's pretty hard, but he's gonna take it even further than that. Pray for those who hurt you. I'm supposed to pray for people who hurt me? That's like, yikes. What is the deal there? I mean, some of you are saying, yeah, sure. What's the, what are the lyrics to that song? I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray they get hemorrhoids, you know? <laughs> 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 that's a word that a preacher should never say in church, isn't it? <laughs> you know, that guy I told you before that hurt me, that's kind of where I was with this guy. I did not want to pray for him. If I wanted to pray for him, it was like, God, judge this guy. That's what I wanted to pray. You know, make his transmission drop out on the freeway or something. I mean, pray for them. What Jesus said in those moments, it was shocking. It's shocking today. It was shocking then. Pray for those who hurt you. And um, I want to thank the worship team for <laughs> that special song. It makes this point, because that's exactly where I was at that time. you know. And when these people heard what Jesus was saying... This was jaw-dropping. This was shocking to have him say, hey, you've grown up in church. You've probably heard these things before. You've probably seen bumper stickers. If you were a hippie, you lived this, right? I mean, there could be hippies here, right? (laughs) We wonder who the hippies are that are sitting here. (laughs) I know a lot of hippies that aren't hippies anymore. But anyway, okay, so whatever. Completely a rabbit trail off the scale. But I mean, I mean, these people had never heard this concept before, never heard anything like this. In fact, they had raised, been raised their entire lives hearing the exact opposite. You know, now, um, if you're um, if you've been a Christian for a while, do not let the familiarity of this verse that I'm going to read to you rob from you the profound magnitude of what it really is, is offering, okay? Because we can become a little bit jaded as Christians. We've heard this over and over again. We get insulated. It gets kind of just kind of gloss over it. Matthew five forty three. 43. Here, here's, here's Jesus talking. He says this. You've heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. Makes sense, you know? You've been taught that your entire life. Love those who love you, hate those who are unkind to you. Verse 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is, this is crazy to these people. You know, he says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and I could just picture, this is my viewpoint, this is my imagination, but I could just picture. He says, pray for those who hurt you, you know, love those. The mountainside had to go silent in that moment. If people had pins and dropped them, you would have heard it from across the valley. The mountain was quiet, I'll bet you you could hear the crickets chirping all of a sudden. Or maybe not. What he was saying was so profound and so full of life that maybe the entire earth there snapped to attention and said the creator is revealing a great truth. The reason he came. I just imagine that moment as being so powerful and profound when he's telling them something that is so opposite of the way they've been raised. So opposite of the way we want to react. I mean, every little four-year-old boy knows that if somebody hits you, you hit them back. And Jesus, the creator, is saying, no, 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 no. This place goes silent. People are probably going, did he say, did he just say that? Did he really? That's crazy. Why were they having that reaction? Well, part of the reaction was, the Romans, um, who had a tendency to borrow gods from the Greeks, and they kind of shared them with each they actually worshipped a god of revenge. There was a Roman god of revenge named Nemesis. Nemesis was a Greek, Greek god of revenge. And, and, the, and, and, and the name Nemesis actually means give what is due. And you can study it. This is a little itty-bitty rabbit trail if you're curious about it. But Nemesis was a feminine figure with big, huge wings. She had a sword, and um, she had a chariot that was pulled by griffins. Griffins are like lion creatures with the head of an eagle and the claws of the, you know, you've probably seen them on a flag somewhere in Europe, right? I mean, this is a bad-looking bad woman, Greek goddess, (laughs) little G, whose whose job it was was to make people pay, pay payback, especially for not giving to other Roman gods their due. And business was good. So they'd been taught to worship the God of revenge. And Jesus is saying these things. This, you know, this in the Jewish audience had also been taught an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, blood for blood. If somebody hits you, you hit them back. If somebody takes from you, you take something. If somebody breaks a bone, you break their bone. And Jesus says, No, no, we're going to pray for people who persecute us. Love our enemies. Love your enemies. And if you've been around the church for a while, you think, Yeah, sure, love your enemies. Yeah, I get it. We've been taught that. Makes sense. Kind of easy. Right up, right up until the moment that you actually have an enemy. <laughs> When someone molests somebody you care about or lies about your wife or about you, sure, love your enemies. But then when I have an enemy, you know, I don't want to love my enemy. (laughs) I just don't want to. And here's what I hope that you're going to see in the next couple of minutes, you know, if you've been devastated by somebody, if you've been let down, if you've, somebody's lied about you or gossiped about you, that the first place that we start is we pray for them. We pray for them. And we don't pray that something bad will happen to them. <laughs> we actually pray for them. Why did Jesus start with prayer? I mean, hard to say. Um, there could be a lot of reasons, but maybe Jesus taught this because... Praying for somebody who has hurt you takes a right attitude. You may not be really good at the prayer at first, but your willingness to do it requires something to be right in your attitude. A right attitude always precedes a right action, right? A right attitude always comes before we do something that's right. And When I'm overwhelmed with bitterness, you know, there's no way that I'm going to be able to do a right thing. But praying for somebody nudges my attitude and it might be slow and my attitude starts to change but a right attitude will eventually lead to the right actions. And and if you're waiting for a feeling before you do, you'll forgive somebody you know, you could still be waiting. When Jesus comes back you could still be waiting. I mean, if you're just waiting to be in the mood you may never ever be in the mood. And this is kind of where I was, and with the help of God, um, with that guy that I wanted to see suffer, you know, my heart knew I was supposed to. Well, I just wasn't quite there yet, and um, over time, I was able to start praying for this guy. You know, God, do something in his life. <laughs> it's kind of a safe starting prayer. God, just do something in his life. Don't know what it is you'll do, but whatever you want to do, do that. It uh, kind of was like a nice starting point because something could be all kinds of things, <laughs> right? All kinds of corrections and stuff. Um, but God do something in his life. And then after a while it became, you know, God do something, really do something significant in his life. You, you get over time, the heart got bigger here and I started realizing that if you're going to ask God to do something in someone's life, God's only going to do good things in their life. He's not going to do evil things in their life. Might as well get on board with what God's doing. And uh, my heart's starting to change. Got to do something significant in his life. And eventually, eventually, this took a long time, measured in years. I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of how slow I am to do the right thing. I'm just being honest with you. Over, over, eventually, I started praying, Lord, bless his life. Bless his life. Bring blessings on him because, you know, it's easier at first to pray to God, do something, than to um, pray for blessings. And here's the deal. When you pray for somebody that you hate, pray for your enemies, you know, somebody who's persecuting you, your prayer may not change them, but your prayer will always change you. Your prayer may not change them, but it will always, always, always change you. God, do something significant in their life. And bless them, Lord. Jesus taught us to do this. So how do you love in the hard times like Jesus did? You don't just love those who love you and hate those who hate you. We pray for those who hurt us, number one. And then number two, we forgive as we've been forgiven. And this is really, really important. We we forgive in the same manner that God has forgiven us. Colossians 3 13, this is Paul. He says, Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You forgive the Lord as the same way that the Lord forgave you. I don't know about you, but the Lord has forgiven Terry of a lot. He's still doing it. And, um, you know, I I can't speak for any of you. I don't know what what you've done or I don't know how many lies you've told or I don't know who you've hurt or I don't know if you've lied to yourself and I don't know the number of times that the Lord has said, hey, um, Terry, do this. And you've said, no, I'm not going to do it or don't do this. And you did it anyway. I don't know those things. I can just tell you, I have been forgiven of a lot, a lot. And I'm to forgive others in the same manner that Christ forgave me. And Jesus points out in Matthew chapter 19, I'm not going to go there. This was part of the way that I made the sermon shorter by not going there. You can look it up later in Matthew 19. But Jesus says that the primary reason we don't forgive other people is because of the hardness of our heart. Our heart gets hard. Yet in our fleshly nature, we may not have what it takes to forgive. But by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can learn to forgive um, just like we've been forgiven. So how do we forgive the unforgivable? We forgive as we have been forgiven. And at some point... At some point, it becomes just a choice that we make. You know, I want to forgive. I'm not quite there yet. I'm, but I'm going to choose, I'm just going to choose to do what God's word tells me to do. And today, I'm going to make this decision to forgive. I'm just going to choose to forgive. Or we can choose to not forgive and just be bitter. You know, I'm not going to forgive. I'm just going to go ahead and be bitter. You know, we can just for fun, kind of imagine and go there for a minute and see what would that be like if you choose to be bitter. You know, you know I'm bitter. I'm. Anytime I see him, I'm going to give him grief. I'm, I'm going to have a campfire. I'm going to name my campfire. I'm going to name my campfire Bitter. And I'm going to camp out at the campfire of Bitter. <laughs> You know, And every time I see him, I'm going to get really mad. And every time I think about him, I'm going to think bad things about him. And um, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to wake up at 3 in the morning mad at him. And I'm going to be mad when I go back to sleep. And uh, they may not even know that I'm mad, but I'm going to stick, stick with my mad and um, I'm going to be filled with hateful thoughts I'm not going to forgive. There's a great theologian from about 400 years after Christ whose name is Augustine. And he he's um, Augustine of Hippo and... Okay, who's he? He was this Roman guy who was he was the bishop of Algeria. He's a great Christian man, famous for a lot of of quotes. He said this bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. (laughs) Wow. Loved ones, is that really your game plan? Is that really gonna get you where you wanna go? What do you do when you've been hurt? You start praying and you just take it to God. You just take it to God. I don't want to do this. It's right. You just tell God. You just tell him. Then one day you make a choice just to let it go. You just make a choice. You know what? My faith, this hurts. I'm just going to walk away from this. I'm starting here right now. I'm going to let go of what they said. I'm going to let go of what they did. I'm going to let go of, you know, of the hurt, the bitterness. I'm just going to let go. I'm just going to let go. And in the very same way that Jesus let go of my sin, I'm going to let go of this. That's where, that's where the choice takes us. And it, it's a faith choice. And I don't know where that guy in my background, I don't know where he is today. I have no idea. I don't know if he's alive or dead. But I genuinely hope he makes it to heaven. I really, really, really do. And, and, and he's there. You know, not because this guy is good. Because I have no idea if there is anything good in him. He's not been in my life since this thing happened. But if he gets into heaven, it'll be because, not because he's good, but because of how good Jesus is. <laughs> in the same way... I will be in heaven, I know this, because I've opened my heart and I've I've, scripture has made some promises to me and I know what my eternity is. In the same way that I know I'll be in heaven, not because I'm good, because there really isn't anything good in me. There really isn't. But because of how good Jesus is and how good he is to me and to you. And my deal is this, you know, the day that I chose to let that thing go, God set a prisoner free. looking at him. I'm the one he set free. Prisoner was me. Because I forgave someone just the way I've been forgiven. And what, what he did no longer has any power over me. You know, I wish I could tell you that when I think about those events, it didn't hurt. It doesn't hurt today like it used to. And I wish it hadn't happened. And all blah, blah, blah. Life has wounds, doesn't it? And no one has a free pass to walk through life. We live in a a broken and corrupt world. But God loves us so much that he made a way for us. And that, that way is through his son, Jesus Christ. I encourage you, if you don't know Christ to find freedom and open your heart to him and I don't know who today here is still carrying an offense it could be something really really significant and I would never minimize your pain or it could be the other end of the spectrum it could be just somebody in your life who's really really annoys you and you know they're like every time they're around you it's you know there's nothing you can do that's right and It's like that fingers on the chalkboard. There might be something like that in your life. Today is a day to choose. I'm just not going to let that get to me anymore. I want to be set free. This other person has nothing to do with it. It's going to be between me and God. Because if we're going to be followers of Jesus, he calls us to that higher standard. He really does. Not because he wants us better than or holier than, but because of what it does inside of us when we let it go. When we let the poison out, health returns. I know the world's going to teach you to love people who love you and hate people who hate you. That's what the world will teach you. When you walk out these doors, it starts right then. It's what the world will try to teach you. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. We're going to do things a little different. We are. We're going to be different. We pray for people who persecute us and we love our enemies and we forgive just as we've been forgiven. That's how Jesus' followers do it. That's how good our God is. He forgives us freely. In the same way, you and I need to forgive as freely for people who've hurt us. Let's pray. God, today, I...